people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for coming back and listening to a latest edition of the deluded podcast now it's for context 6 46 on this friday morning people i am shattered i should have done this a long time ago but at the end of the day especially when you make content when you avoid doing things it piles up on you people so please avoid that but it's been a crazy couple of weeks in terms of football, so we might as well just go through some things, man. Let's start with the Champions League. Now, I badly want Arsenal to be in the Champions League, but it's been a decent Champions League. The first thing I want to speak about is the Chelsea game. Now, Chelsea, they're living the dream. They're not able to keep clean sheets, but young players are playing. They're playing good football. There's not much more you can you can, you can can say. It was a crazy game. Shout out to Reese James because not only do I believe he's going to be a decent defender for Chelsea, he'll he'll nail down that right back spot soon. But he can play right back. He can fill in in midfield as well as centre half, despite not being the biggest in terms of height because he's good physically. At 19 years of age and 332 days old, he becomes the youngest ever goal scorer in the Champions League for Chelsea. So he's got a bit of history and he really loves Chelsea and. Out of all the young players, I would say he's probably Mr. Chelsea. Like he, I actually remember when he was a striker in the academy days, people, because I know someone that used to play for Chelsea, left last year, and he used to score so many goals. He used to be like a little Jermaine Defoe, and it's crazy. It's not crazy to see him at right back because people change positions all the time, but it's just crazy, man. He's always been decent at set pieces as well. Apology, people. good, very unprofessional. But obviously that game saw Chelsea um, concede the free, concede three goals in the first half for the fir- um, for the first time in their history in the Champions League. So again, Premier League, their only issues or only criticism you can have of Chelsea is similar to Arsenal. They can see cheap goals. They've got the attacking player and stuff, but there's Chelsea fans will probably admit if they're not outscoring teams or it's not an outscoring thing, then they're gonna really struggle against teams. But I think you've got to give Chelsea props, man. To be fair, man, in terms of the league, but yeah, in theme with defending, Chelsea are the second side to concede two on goals in the first half of a Champions League game after C after CFR Kluge versus Bayern Munich in 2010. Ajax scored three goals in the first half despite landing just one um, shot on target. I mean, what kind of black magic is that? Like, <laughs> and it also says Chelsea have conceded four plus goals in a single Champions League game for only the third time in their history. And first time since drawing 4-4 at home with Liverpool in 9 So, yeah. oh So, yeah, Chelsea, I mean, the game was marred by VAR. Not VAR, the referee. Sorry, I don't know what the ref was on for both teams as well. Um, So, it was a decent game, man. Obviously, Hakim Ziyech, baller people. He's either scored in... in he's, he, apparently, there's a stat he's either scored or assisted in nine of his last 12 Champions League appearances. Five assists and four goals. It makes you wonder how is he not like been taken on by anyone there's got to be a reason because what his release clause was in his 20s was in the 20s like he would have been perfect for Arsenal. he can play on the flanks as well as cam would have been 20 odd million right part of his age you've got to wonder like is there a reason nobody took a chance in him is there an injury record is there agent fees is there a reason that put premier league teams off or other teams from abroad off that we don't know about because there's sometimes a reason maybe nobody legitly came in for hakim zich but i think they missed a target they missed a treat there potentially people um from the liverpool perspective they played jeng and the only thing i really want to say is shout out to oxley chamberlain because he's 
Obviously, first and foremost, he's had a, a terrible time with injuries last couple of seasons. He's back, he's fit, and he's scoring goals. Now, he said he's not back to his best. Klopp has more or less said, like, scoring goals isn't going to mean you're going to get in the lineup. And on current form, Ox faces a tough fight to get in that Liverpool side in midfield, um, to be honest with you. I know he can play fullback, he's a centre mid, but he can play fullback. He can't even get there right now because Trent, Trent's locking it down at right back. He's never going to play within the front three like he previously did at a time at Arsenal on the flanks. He's a central mid. It's good competition, um, but it's nice to see Ox is back and he's ready to, to try and fight to get a, a, a team a, a spot in the team because it's a big season or season and a half now for Ox, if, if you want to say that, because he's fit, he's been called up to the England squad, so clearly if fit, he's going to go. So it's about getting to peak performance so that if you're called upon in the Euros in any capacity, assuming you go, you're ready to do your thing. Um... And also, obviously, he probably wants to help Liverpool retain the Champions League if possible. And I know he's won the Champions League technically, but play some sort of main role in that. Um, so shout out to Oxford getting fit, man. In 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 that in carrying on with that, people, if Obama and leaves, we've got to go for this Highland guy, man. At Leipzig, man, this guy is a clone. This guy is he just doesn't look real in the sense that he looked like he was made in a lab to score goals. The amount of goals he scores, the ways he he's built his team plays, his quality, people. He scored seven goals in his first four Champions League appearances, two more than any other player in the competition's history. He's the fourth player in the Champions League to score in each of his first four appearances. Um, the others are Diego Costa for Atletico in 0 13 1995, Alejandro Del Piero and Z Carlos of FC Porto 92-93, for those old enough to know that. Um, so yeah man he's in good company he's, he's, you're looking at some of these young I know people talk about all these other players but he seems to be the next what well, the next striker the next young striker on this team there's a good couple young players that are announcing themselves and I would love Arsenal to make a double move for him and Shabozlai the central midfield um, but that's dream world man and Highline I don't know how much he's going to go for um, you can make a case for him to go to City and United because he's been a, he, he's he's talked up Man United. He was previously a City and a Leeds fan. He's spoken about Leeds. It, I think he's on moving to the Prem. I don't think he has a preference. I think it's a thing where he could be persuaded to go to anyone. But money talks. So carrying on, people. Um, people, you got to rate Lewandowski, man. Since he's joined Bayern Munich in 2014-15, no player has scored more goals in the group stages of the Champions League. He's on 31, same as Lionel Messi. And he's now scored in each of his last eight such games in the competition. That man is a very good striker. And I'd say out of all the elite strikers, I think Lewandowski is the most rated but underrated strikers because people don't really talk about his technical qualities. He's got good movement. He's not the quickest, but his movement, his ability to lose his man, technical player as well. He can hit a free kick and he doesn't get ratings for that. He's a very good technical player. Lewandowski's a bad boy footballer, people. Can't believe he went for free to buy Munich, man. I mean, surely that's got to be one of the free transfers of the century. Moving on from one free transfer to another, Aaron Ramsey obviously bagged for Juventus in the Champions League, taking a goal off, off Cristiano Ronaldo off the line. And that was the 300th goal Juventus have scored in the Champions League, making them the fifth team to reach that after United, Munich, Barca and Madrid. Um, obviously, on topic of Madrid, you all saw the young player with Drago announce himself. I watched that game. Um, I think Valverde in central mid had a good game. But I think Rodrigo had a decent game. He's shown his age. At times, his decision-making is a bit off. 
he does need to fill out and become a bit more stronger because he is a bit easy to shill off the ball. But he's got wonderful technical qualities. He's gonna. He's Brazilian. He's got the technical qualities. It's all gonna fall into place sooner rather than later. You would imagine for him. I really like him as a professional footballer. People. He obviously scored a hat trick. He's the youngest ever Brazilian goal scorer in the Champions League history. He bagged the perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot, and a header. So it's a good bit of, of of confidence boost for him, and it's the thing of dreams. We all dream about doing things like that in the Champions League when we were younger. So yeah. From one current wonder kid to a previous one, Karim Benzema. He's the second player to score in 15 consecutive Champions League seasons after Lionel Messi. Um, he's obviously now got 229 goals, making him the French player with the most goals for a foreign club in football's history, surpassing Thierry Henry's 228. I also don't have the statistics to hand, but I do know it. Benzema has a not just an incredible Champions League winning record for winning the competition a certain amount of times. He also has a great goal scoring record in the competition. Benzema is no short of a footballing madman. Um, but moving on from that, people, again, we're going a bit off topic from Champions League now. Champions League done. Um, but um, Liverpool. Liverpool played two competitive games in the space of two games between December the 17th and 18th for the first time since 1986, where under Kenny Dalglish. They lost to Manchester United on Boxing Day before beating Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 on the 27th, both in the top flight. For me, people, I my gut feeling, I do think that, again, I don't know, but I I do think because of the way Klopp's been speaking in his post games and whatnot and Liverpool, they foresaw this and I think the game will get moved. I don't think it's fair on Liverpool because two games in the space of 24 hours 48 hours whatever you want to call it in two different continents in the world like that's surely that's going to get re um rescheduled it's not it's not it's it's not fair on them at all really and truly um because you think about it it's, it it would not be fair to do a thing where there's several things you can't expect expect liverpool to split the squad and leave i don't know an assistant manager and certain players um, at home and don't go to the club competition club world cup because of this it doesn't make sense like it would not be fair it doesn't make sense imagine Klopp had to split his squad in two we all know if anything young players would be left behind but I don't think that's fair um I don't I don't I don't think that's fair not only that but even if they were to play this how can you expect them to travel and then be ready to play in that game they've got to help they've got to be helped out a bit as an Arsenal fan I shouldn't be saying this but they've got to be helped out a bit man I mean they're still in every competition You've got to remember the FA Cup is going to come in January as well, which won't come as quickly as that. But you've got to remember the fixture pileup. It's a big test on the squad, and certain players that haven't featured um, should be relishing the relishing the opportunity. But it's not fair. So what is Klopp meant to sit there and just divide his squad in two and leave some players at home? It it, it don't make sense for me, people. Um, obviously, Liverpool have greater things to worry about than the Katyarabal Cup, um, as seen with all the young players they're playing, so they'll probably do something like that, but I don't think it's fair. So what he has, Klopp has to say to one of his coaches, you're going to take the managerial job and you lot are going to go out there while we're travelling back from Dubai. I mean, that how, how, does, how does he even prepare two teams in two different continents to play in that game, even if he's not training both of them? The, the stress that he's going to go through, talking remotely with someone about what you have to do, it's ridiculous. How does he prepare them? That is, it's, it's, it's not fair at all. It don't make no sense to me personally, people. Um, but we're all allowed opinions. That's the great thing about football. Um, moving on from that, though, people, and we might as well get in. We might as well get into the nitty and gritty of the 
Premier League now, if we're if we're completely real. Um, and let's start with let's let's kill the elephant in the room. Arsenal versus Leicester. Now it is potentially Emre's fiftieth game in charge in the Premier League of Arsenal, and it could potentially be his last. The pressure is there. We've got everything from his captain going AWOL to players out of form to lack of clean sheets, inability to manage games. It feels like it's coming to a head. I personally want Emre to be a success, not because it's a thing where Emre, when he came in, I was prepared. I had concerns, prepared to give him time. I think the time's gone. I've not seen anything. But saying that, I don't want him necessarily sacked. I would love Arsenal to turn it around. Saying that, the writing is on the wall. If he does get sacked or he did was to leave, if depending on the fashion of the Leicester game, he can't have any complaints. Arsenal fans, including myself, won't have any complaints. Why I want him to turn it around is because if a new manager comes in, we're going to have to write this season off again. And regardless of how poor we've been playing, mathematically, top four is still there. So to write it off in November would be silly for me. And because if if if, if he did does turn it around, if he was to start winning games again, which is the best thing he can do, what is that said then? And do I think he's necessarily sacked to, if he loses 1-2-0 here? No, if he loses 3-4, then he's potentially gone. And I just want to win games. So it's in my... It's in Emre's prerogative. It's my prerogative to see Emre win games. But for me, the writing's on the wall now, man. The players have to take responsibility for their performances, win, losing or drawing. But at the end of the day, the underlying factor is coaching. The inability to see out leads is obviously down to individuals not being able to concentrate for high periods and obviously not being able to see out games themselves. But there's no smoke without fire. There's been about three, four games in a row. We've dropped points from winning positions. We've been unable to defend. We've been unable to really stamp our authority offensively with just shots and galvanization. And this is all on Emery. The, the 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 lack of identity in this team is down to Emery. Was he has he been trying to do too much and done too little? Has he is he just simply not got the credentials for the role? He's starting to believe a bit of both because he is a, clearly a good coach. But is he the good? Is he the coach that's the fit for Arsenal? Is another thing, and you'd have to say no. He's got to stick to his guns. He's got to because it, depending on the performance, he might have to hand in his P45 at half at, at, at half time or at the 90th minute. I don't need to spell it out for you. Leicester sit in the top four. Vardy's on 10 goals, the first player to reach 10 goals in the Premier League this season. Last time he did that, they went out there and won the league. So you'd back Leicester to get top four, put in a strong claim. They're a good side, well coached, well drilled very consistent i can't sit here and praise and and, and praise leicester enough because it's very envious as an arsenal fan they've got full backs on the right and left hand side willing to attack they've got midfield who who fight for every ball they're a high energetic side and they put in a shift defensively as much as they excel offensively they're very good in the second half people arsenal do not turn up in the second half if we do not if we are not switched on from the start and especially the second half we will be savaged Especially the last ten minutes of the game, people. It, it, it's facts. They've won our last. They've won their last two home games against us. They've never done that three times in a row. Did these Arsenal players want to be part of negative history? If so, then boy, it says it all. It it says it all. These players have to pull themselves out of this rut. If they want top four, they have to go out there and prove it. Everybody's behaving like no disrespect to Leicester, but we're playing Barcelona, and it might as well be. Look at the golfing class between the coaching philosophies and just the way the team's playing at the moment. It might as well be. Nobody's giving Arsenal a chance. And if I'm one of these Arsenal players, that hurts my pride. No disrespect, but it's Arsenal versus Leicester. Regardless of the poor away form. Regardless of the two sides, you 
that that's got to hurt you because they see the social media. They've got friends that like they 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 don't live in a bubble. They know that nobody expects them to win, so they should use that to their advantage. And also, they need to prepare, be prepared to fight. Their season is on the line. This is the sort of thing that, while mathematically, ironically, it will still be pos uh, possible to get top four after this result, people. This is the sort of thing that kills your top four chances. It, especially if, if I'm any of these players, which we've heard reports they're not, but if they're really fighting for Emre, if I'm seeing my manager backed in the corner and these question marks over him, this is going to hurt me, people, really and truly. There's no excuses. There's no hiding ground. Our way form is poor. If you're not prepared to fight, if you're not prepared to congest every, contest every ball, sorry, win every first and second header, then you should not get on that coach to Leicester City, um, Leicester City, or, or any Arsenal players. Because just all you gotta do is look at the statistics, people. Like I said, Leicester have won their last two home Premier League games against us. Have never done that three times. We've lost our last three league games against Leicester um, more than we have in our previous thirty against them. Um, Leicester have won 8 of their last 11 home Premier League games Drawing 2, losing 1 and winning 8 Including the last 4 in a row So they've put in together a good run um, Since our um, victory over Manchester City in January 2015 We have failed to win any of our, of our 11 Premier League away games Against teams starting the day in the top 3 Which is shameful And also we kick off at 5.30 I know you've got the big boys playing the next day but by then, we would know Spurs' result. Admittedly, I'm not sure when Chelsea and United play people. But we'd know a couple of our results. We'd know where we where we stand. We can. I don't think we can advance on this position. But we can close the gap on Leicester. And Leicester have got um, Chelsea behind them. So, Leicester have their own concerns to want to win this game. And they're going to be up for it. I, I don't feel... I feel the complacency in the sense that the fans are expecting a landslide for Leicester to beat us probably about 5-0. I don't think Brendan Rodgers or Leicester players will do that or assume that. And it'd be dangerous if they do because regardless of how poor Arsenal are and as much as I praise Leicester tactically and how they're playing technically, football is not one on paper. If you allow complacency to creep into your game, even Arsenal might make you pay for it, people. Is that real? Um, but yeah, obviously, that's, that's very concerning in our last 11 away games. Which gives you even more concern is we've kept just two clean sheets in our last 24 league um, away games in the league. With both of those fin finishing 1-0 against Watford and Newcastle, which were shaky games if you remember to say the least. Obviously, it's Emre's 50th Premier League game. None of his previous 49 have ended goalless. So you've got two strikers in Aubameyang and, La and, Aubameyang and, and Vardy in good form. You were playing against a side that scores goals. We can barely keep a clean sheet, much less a clean sheet away from home. So this probably spells out to you there's going to be goals. In addition to Vardy's red-hot form and being the first to bag 10 Premier League goals this season, the second time he's done that, first time he did that, they won the league. He's also scored eight goals in his last eight starts against Arsenal, including three braces. So Jamie Vardy is quickly trying to replace Jogba as the man that strikes fear into Arsenal fans' heart. Wayne Rooney, Vardy and Jogba is how it's probably going now. If you allow Vardy to get on the last man and, and, and you don't mark Vardy and you turn around and you don't know where Vardy is, best believe he's putting that in the back of the net. And yeah, man, you know he's coming for us, especially after Arsenal fans were trying to banter his wife about the whole banter thing on social media. So you know he's coming to try and ruin us. Um, so yeah, obviously a bit of Aubameyang news and our captain, um, since his first away Premier League appearance in February 2018, Pierre-Emerick Pierre Aubameyang has scored 16 away goals, 
the third most behind Vardy and seven and and Jamie Va behind Vardy and Kane. Sorry, Kane's on seventeen, Vardy's on twenty one. However, he is yet to score an away goal on a Saturday in seven attempts. With those sixteen goals scored on on a Monday, which has been two, a Wednesday has been two, and Sunday has been twelve. So, a bit of a superstition for Aubameyang to put right if he wants and whatnot. People, moving away from that one there though, and um, well, staying on with Arsenal. And like I said, people, it is it's it's a bit concerning because I've got it here. Um, we, they've only conceded seven goals this season. We have shipped 15 people and kept two clean sheets. Obviously, they have got better coaching, better informed players, better clear way of doing things. The squad is more in a healthier place than us. Their fans are in a healthier place than us. Their fans are going to be the 12th man. So it is concerned. If you're not prepared to fight, if the midfielders are not prepared to follow runners and fight in that midfield, if the strikers are not willing to press and actually drop deep and, and press into areas they shouldn't, it's a fight. This is a game where it's not down to individuals. We've got to fight as a club. It's not for me to say this anymore. If these players are really together and really want to fight for top four and are really all on the same page, then they've all got to sing from the same hymn sheet, defend their manager, and more importantly than that, get three points. It, it, it come comes um, Saturday, people. Like I said, Leicester are third on 23 points. We're fifth on 17. Tells you everything you need to you need to know, people. We need to We need to fix up. Depending on results, I don't think Leicester can move into second because of goal difference and things. But if goal difference is on their side, mathematically they can. Chelsea are level on points with them. So there's a carrot of taking advantage of um, of, of us and trying to um, get away from Chelsea sort of thing, people. And like I said, man, there's not... If he loses this, this season's on the line, bro. Emre's never needed to get a game right more so than today, people. Because it's, it's, it's his sword that, that, is gonna, that he has to die on because... Yeah, man. There's not there's not a leg to stand on if he loses. If he loses, he's 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 got to probably leave. He will probably leave. People, moving on from Leicester versus Arsenal, though. Um, who have we got next on the Optus stats? And obviously, people as well. We've got two wins. We've got to remember. We've got two. Arsenal have got two wins in their last nine. Um, our last eighteen games have actually been poor. We've scored 16 goals, conceded 15, got four wins and two defeats in our last 11 games, people. Leicester obviously got seven wins this season, scoring 27 goals and conceding only nine, well, conceding seven, people. I don't know why it says nine there because I'm sure Optus said they conceded seven. Um, they've got four clean sheets and two defeats, so they're doing better than us, people, to put it nicely. And you've also got to wonder how long can... Leicester don't need to sell all of these players and they, they shown they'll play hardball over people like Maguire. And if you can get 80 million for Maguire, what does that say about Chilwell, who's younger than him? What does that say about Madison? What does that say potentially about Telemans? And even, well, I don't think as much as them, but Chudbury and, and indeed if they're ever sold, Leicester are sitting on gold mines, people. They're sitting on gold dust, sorry. They're sitting on serious investments. The players would probably have to be pushed to leave, but you have to wonder... Because of how Leicester are doing right now, because of the manager, how long how long can they keep hold of all these players? Like I said, balls in, they've got every ball in their court because they're not forced to sell players. But if that squad is teared up because players want to go off and play for other teams and whatnot, Madison's linked with United, whether that's a better move or not. Chilwell's been linked with City and, and, and Chelsea. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? Telemans will probably get linked with a bigger club soon. They can keep them together, but how long can they keep them together? 
Leicester's still got a lot of the players from, obviously, from the title winning side, but a couple of them, the Kantes, the Mahrez's, went on to do other things. Didn't work for Drinkwater, but eventually kept it moving. Completely different, but Monaco in the Champions League, that side got torn up. Ajax, to a degree, this season, or the last two previous seasons, after getting to the Europa League final, the semis of the champs, have seen their players bought. Obviously, you've even got Sienchu now, who can draw a couple of admirers as well, the Leicester centre-half, who's been good this season. They've shown they won't be bullied. They've got an average squad of 26. They've got a manager in Brendan Rodgers who looks like he could be there and do something for the foreseeable future. So you wonder how long have they got that squad together? Can they keep that squad? They get the Champions League. Ridiculous offers and players forcing it. No one will have any reason to leave and they could probably even get some top, top players in there. They should probably go for Hakim Ziyech if they could do it. Um, but you have to wonder, and if that squad did, let's just say Summer comes and Madison and Chilwell did leave, and a couple other, and obviously Vardy's not the youngest anymore and, and whatnot. How would Brendan Rodgers feel? Could Re Brendan Rodgers rebuild that side? Or would it be a thing where if he's there for three years and it's a good three years, the fourth year, do you think about potentially leaving because everything has an expiry date? Football's in cycles, but credit to Leicester and what they're doing people man I, 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 to be honest yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that we're, we're playing them because you can't you, you've, I've got nothing but praise for it for Leicester man the way they, they, they have been tactically the way everybody ex understands everybody's job I can't praise Leicester City enough people man I feel they're, they're a very well drilled co coach side man really and truly um, moving on you've got Manchester United versus Brighton now United need to win after losing last week against Bournemouth similar to Arsenal they need to get back to winning ways United have never lost in their last previous 11 home meetings with Brighton in all comps winning nine and drawing two Brighton have taken just one point from the last available 18 on the road against United Manchester United has won all four home Premier League games between the two sides no fixture in the competition has been played more by being won by a home side. So statistically, this is a game they typically win. But Brighton have been pulling surprises with the likes of Connolly and the way they've been playing. So do not underestimate anyone in the Premier League should be the theme in the league this season, people. For me personally, um, all four victories um, in the Premier League between these two sides have been by one goal margin. So whether that's United's lack of ability to score goals or they don't have to be at much to beat Brighton's for other people to answer. Man United are obviously unbeaten in their last 41 home games in November since losing 2-1 to Chelsea in 96. It's their longest unbeaten run in a single month in the competition's history. So is this a, ta is this a time where you see an uptake in form by Man United and they put a run of form together? Statistically, it might suggest so. Brighton have picked up just one point from their 39 available against the top six ever-present sides in the Premier League, playing 13 winning none, drawing one and losing 12, um, netting just three goals in those games so they don't travel well. Since beating West Ham on the 13th of April, my birthday, Man United have won just 15 points in the Premier League, the full fewest of the 17, 17 ever-present sides, ever-present teams in, in that time and one fewer than newly promoted Sheffield United have won, which is 16, so that's not a positive stat. Um, all three of Manchester United's victories in the Premier League this season have seen Marcus Rashford score the winning goal, with two of those winners coming from the penalty spot. One was against Palace, I'm sure. Brighton manager Graham Potter only ended on the winning side in one of his eight Premier League games as a player in this game, I believe. Doing so with Southampton in a 6-3 win over Man United in 96. 
Ole Gunnar Solskjaer appeared as a substitute that day. So I wonder if they remember everything. Um, if they remember anything. Um, so moving on from Brighton. You've got you've obviously got Wolves. Wolves are playing Aston Villa people. Now that's a Midlands derby and one game I know both sets of fans were looking at when obviously Aston Villa returned to the Premier League. But looking at that game, people, Wolves have won two of their last three games against Aston Villa. Villa are unbeaten in their last nine away games against Wolves. Villa have actually beaten Wolves in the League Cup meeting last month. Um Villa have dropped 11 points from winning positions in the Premier League this season, which, similar to Arsenal, shows you're not trying to be serious. Um, no side has conceded three or first-half goals in the Premier League than Villa this season. Le uh, Wolves' last three Premier League games have all ended 1-1. Um, Wesley has scored three of his four goals for Aston Villa this season, have been scored away from home, so he travels well, so he might be someone to make the difference for Aston Villa, like he did scoring against Arsenal, I believe. So that will be a good one to watch out for in the Midlands derby, folks. You've obviously got Manchester United. You've got Manchester United versus Liverpool. First versus second. Liverpool have a healthy points gap. Man City need to win. And you're seeing a bit of mind games between Pep talking about diving, Klopp talking about tactical substitutions and all of these sort of things and fouls and whatnot. There's a healthy respect between the two. But pressure is on both sides for Klopp if Liverpool don't win are they ever going to be able to do it for City are they ever going to be able to retain this title because the question marks are still going to be there and always there to, no matter how many times they actually prove people wrong and do it but Liverpool have won have only lost one of their last 28 Premier League top flight home games against City um but saying that, after losing after losing four games in a row against Liverpool between 15-16, City have lost just one in their last five against such. City are winless in their last 16 away home home games in the Premier League against Liverpool. Their longest winless, um, winless streak against an opponent in the competition's history. Liverpool have won more Premier League games against reigning champions than any other side. We know Liverpool are up for big games. We know Anfield, the spirit and all them things. This will be the 35th Premier League meeting between the reigning champions and league leaders. Um, Liverpool have lost just one of their last 50 Premier League games with that loss coming against Manchester City in January. So they know people that they both sides can put incredibly good runs of consistency together. It's just about finer margins, who can take points off who really. Liverpool have won a league high 10 points from losing positions this season and we've seen a lot of goals scored in the latter, latter stages of the game. So Liverpool are a team that fight to the end as are City people. So it's going to be a fantastic game. Personally, I don't know. I don't want Liverpool to win the league because obviously it's Arsenal versus Liverpool, the rivalry. But I must admit, it's, it's, it's my my, my enviness in, in that regards has kind of quieted down a bit and it's more because of Klopp, man. I don't really care who wins it and you kind of want Klopp to do it now, to be fair. I don't know. It's, it's hard, man. It's, it's hard not to admire Liverpool under Klopp, man, just because of how they're playing. It's really not. And Klopp's a nice guy. I think Klopp is he's not an underrated manager, but in terms of his intelligence, I do think people insult how good of a manager he is tactically because of the fact that he's a, a bit of a lad and things. I think people use that to, to kind of... Not, not hit his up intelligence, but if he didn't, if he carried himself a bit more serious, people would, I think, have a bit more... It, praise for his tactics which they do have praise for his tactics i'm not saying they don't but um carrying on man city have won 11 of their last 12 premier league away games losing only against norwich 
City have only failed to score in six of their 62 away Premier League games under Pep. Despite Liverpool being on their second ever unbeaten run in unbeaten run in the Premier League, which is 45 games, Liverpool have conceded in each of their last five at Anfield, which should give you some confidence. Um, since becoming Barcelona manager in 2008, Pep Guardiola has lost more games against Jurgen Klopp in all competitions than he has against any other side. So does Klopp potentially have his number? You could argue such people. Um, also, Manchester City striker Sergio Aguero has made seven appearances at Anfield without scoring. Um, so he needs to change that. Firmino has had a hand in seven has had a hand in seven goals in his eight Premier League games against Man City. Four goals, three assists, both scoring and assisting a goal in different games against them. Aguero scored 49 goals in 79, 79 Premier League games played on Sunday, which is a crazy statistic. Moving on to Spurs, people. Spurs need to win. Spurs are unbeaten at home in four games against Sheffield United in all competitions. The home side has always scored at least two and has never lost in six previous meetings between Sheffield and, and Spurs. Spurs obviously winless in four Premier League games, losing true two, drawing two. Um, having last had a longer run earlier this year, five games in February slash March, um, then in 17-18 combined. Um, so yeah, Sheffield United are winless in their last 17 Premier League games in London. Sheffield have lost just one away away game in 2019, which is the best record of all the top six of all the top flight sides. Um, Sheffield have conceded just eight goals in their 11 Premier League games. Spurs have conceded more more than once in just one of their 15 Premier League home games in 2019. Sheffield United will be the 29th different side Kane has ever faced in the Premier League. So yeah, we'll see, man. Obviously, Deli Ali has a good stat of scoring goals and and. Them not losing. Southampton versus Everton. Both managers need a bit of a win. So we're going to have to see where that game is going, people. Everton are winless in eight Premier League away games, losing in each of their last four. There's been a 90th goal in each of Everton's last three Premier League games, people. Obviously, it's Theo Walcott playing against his former side. So we'll see how that one goes. You've got Newcastle versus Bournemouth. Newcastle have lost each of their first three Premier League meetings between the two sides but are unbeaten in their last three. Bournemouth have won two of their last three Premier League away games against Newcastle. Also got to remember that Bournemouth have kept a clean sheet in each of their last Premier League games. They've never gone four games without conceding. You've also got to remember they kept it against United, which is a big team to keep a clean sheet against, regardless of United's problems. Um, so that would be a decent game, man. Um, so we'll see how that one goes, people. You've obviously got Chelsea versus Palace. Zaha gets to kind of show his potential new manager, Lampard, in January, if, if rumours are to be believed, what he can do. Chelsea have lost six of their last have lost six of their last eight home games against Palace, losing the other two in 15 and 17 in, in them years respectively. Um, Chelsea have won their last three London derbies in the Premier League. Since the start of last season, only Liverpool, City and Chelsea have won more Premier League away games than Palace. So Palace now to get a job done. Palace have won two of their last four away London derbies. And I know Arsenal victories a bit of them stats there. Um, Lampard could also become the seventh manager, the seventh English manager to win six consecutive Premier League home games. Tammy has scored nine goals in 13 Premier League games for Chelsea 
If he scores this game, he'll become the second he'll become the second youngest player to reach double figures for Chelsea in the competition after Ian Robin. Ayu could become the fourth player in Premier League history to score an away goal against Manchester United, Arsenal and Chelsea within the same campaign, which is after Robbie L, Darren Bent and Ashley Barnes, respectively, people. So we'll see how that game goes. Moving on from that, you've got Norwich versus Watford, two teams who badly need to win. Norwich have won three of their last four Premier League meetings with Watford. Watford sadly haven't kept a clean sheet in any of their last 12 away games in the league, I mean against Norwich. Um, this is only Norwich's third Premier League game on a Friday. Watford have failed to win any of their opening 11 Premier League home wins this season. Only five teams have failed to win their opening 12, most recently QPR in 2012-13, who, who won none of their first 16 and went on to finish bottom. Norwich haven't kept a clean sheet in any of their last nine Premier League games, which shows you there could be goals in this game, people. This is obviously the third time this season Watford have started the day bottom and faced the team in 19th at the start of the day, um, which is quite bad, people, which is, is quite sad. And Watford are only this, are the only team in the Premier League this season to have no players score more than once in all competitions. So everything's going wrong, but they also have an inability to to score goals, people, which is quite sad. Moving on from that, and you've obviously got... New, well, sorry, people, I said the wrong one. We're missing someone else out. And I've lost the paper. I've lost the page. We've got that. We've spoken about them. What else is there? West Ham versus Burnley, people, to wrap this up. Now, West Ham versus Burnley. Burnley have won two of their last Premier League... Sorry, people. Burnley have won two of their last three Premier League games against West Ham. Um, Burnley have also lost each of their last three Premier League home games, conceding nine goals in the process. 4-2 against Chelsea being the latest at home. Um... West Ham, at a point, were pretty decent away from home. They were better away from home than... than at home so we'll see how that goes but um after a run that saw them lose just one of 11 premier league home games west ham have lost three of their last four in the competition burnley have scored a league high ratio of 29 goals um 29 of their premier league goals from outside the box so far this season so that might be something to consider wood has scored in all of his four premier league home games against west ham he might be someone to bet on um, Snodgrass has scored in each of his last two appearances. So that should be a decent game. So yeah, that should wrap up the, the, the podcast really and truly. I don't have anything more to really add or say, people. It's going to be an interesting week in the Premier League. It's going to be an interesting week for Arsenal in particular because, like I said, it's Emre's 50th game and it could potentially be his last. But thank you for listening to the podcast, people. It's been a pleasure. Make sure you check out my YouTube for other content and I'll be back again. On that note, DG, I'm out. Thank you for listening, of course.